Welcome back. Welcome in. Let us begin another week at Country Roads Confidential. I am Mike Casaza, handing off on third and nine to Chris Anderson for the weekly Q&A podcast. Chris, Monday, which means it's not Saturday, and pretty good news around here. Mike, I appreciate the handoff. I will do my best to veer to the left to the wide open gap rather than run into the backside of a 300-pound lineman on the right. Is that okay with you? Yeah. One of those early moment things, I think when we talked after the game on uh, on Saturday, we pretty much agreed that this was over after, if not one series, certainly two. And the first series, self-inflicted, self-inflicted, self-inflicted. Touchdown, Iowa State. The second series, you start off with a block in the back penalty. Pretty clear and obvious, and unavoidable, I should say. Back it up to your goal line. Third and long. And you know they're going to run the draw because that just happens. If you've watched any number of West Virginia games this year, you know it's going to be a draw. I was surprised that Iowa State was surprised. And Iowa State was at least vulnerable because there was a canyon on Letty Brown's left. He chose to run into the numbers of a defensive lineman instead. One of those things you look at on paper and it's 42-6 to and you say, never had a chance. I'm not saying they had a chance in that game, but. Man, they come off the goal line, they get some plays, maybe that's a little bit different, but people scream at the draw play because it never works. It could have worked there, and again, just not West Virginia's day up in Ames. No, not not a great start for West Virginia. Um, first series, second series, third series, kind of just kept on going through the game. But uh, you, you know uh, what started off red hot coming off the top ropes? I don't know. These mailbag questions. Let's get to I it. Mean, Right off the top rope. Very first question. Let's just let's go for it. Uh, from from damn proud. Should Dante uh, Stills return for his senior year? He has not lived up to his four star rating and has been in his brother's shadow all career. Thank you. <laughs> is that is I mean, that a is that a <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage level elbow drop from the top rope? What, what's that was that was, a, that was a big start there. If you look at numbers side by side. He's not been as good this year. He's not all conference level good. I think the coaches would tell you that he's done some good things to help the defense around him. He's been more facilitator than than I guess he's been more like a play creator than a playmaker. I'm not sure if fans get that a whole lot. I'm not sure the coaches are completely satisfied with that. They probably like to see him in the backfield more. I think he's been good. He's had some really strong moments and strong plays. Bar's pretty high because of how he played last season, also how his brothers played. Not sure his brother's been as good as he was last year either. So possible that other teams practice and scout better against them. Those guys were good last year, but I feel like they did their damage in a small number of games. Consistency was always the thing with the coaches. Let's let these guys play as they do in clusters for an entire game or an entire month. And then by extension, an entire season. Maybe that's still left in the play for Dante. Uh, Darius is gone. That's pretty clear. Dante's got a decision to make, too. Likes playing with his brother. Presumably, he's going to graduate after three years. That's not uncommon. Um, but he's got at least one year left if he wants to. Um, we talked about business decisions after the game. He's got a business decision he has to make. Yeah, let me start off with that. I, th- I still believe, I think, you know, he's he's going to go. I think the opportunity to go out with his brother um, is going to be a little too much to pass up on. But I'd also like to counter that you know, this notion that he's been bad this year. And I don't think you, you didn't say he was bad, no. but um, 
Scouts like him. Scouts love him. And, you know, we've said this before, uh, just like the plus minus, the little plus minus thing I talked about last night with Sean McNeil being the by far the best plus minus on the team yesterday mm-hmm. um, for the basketball team. When I look at, at scouts grades, I for one game or one series or a handful of plays, it's it's meh. What, OK, that, I don't know if that tells the full story. But when you're looking at a full season of stuff, it, it the cream rises to the top. Okay, it, that that's when you have a, a good scouting grade for an entire season, it's probably legit. It, it's very doubtful that they're just wrong every single week for an entire season. And Dante Stills has been better in every scouting category possible so far this season. He is that's outstanding. So. He is number two on the team in um, uh, on on overall grade behind Tyke Smith. That's it. He's one of the top defensive linemen. In the Big 12, I believe he's either one or two in the Big 12 overall in run defense grade. And, you know, he's, I think a lot of times people are looking at the counting stats. And even though he's playing a larger role this season, uh, because obviously last year he wasn't a, a starter, he kind of split snaps with Reese Donahue, he's played about the same number of snaps so far this season as he did all of last year. And, yeah, sacks are down. Only two, had seven last year. But his hurries are up. His tackles are up. Um, his stops behind the line of scrimmage are up. His missed tackles are down. So it's there. He's doing it. It's kind of like those guys that, that it's just not finishing. It's all, I don't want to say it's bad luck because you, you got to finish. You, you can't, oh, I got close to the quarterback. Nobody cares. You got it, it help. It's helpful to get pressure on the quarterback. You got to finish it. But he hasn't been terrible. I mean, he's got eight and a half tackles for loss. One of the highest graded guys on the team. 12 hurries, according to Pro Football Focus. He only had eight last season. So he's been good. I think a lot of people were expecting, you know, All-American. And maybe, as Neil Brown put it earlier, maybe they shouldn't have because I don't think he probably should have played that freshman year in 2018. I don't think they had a choice. I think he had to get in there for some snaps. But, you know, for a lot of guys, especially on the defensive line, you're not playing that freshman year. So he should be... In most cases, he would be a redshirt sophomore right now, but he's a junior, and so I think people were expecting. He's a junior that was an All-American in high school, one of the highest-rated recruits ever. So I think people were expecting. They were expecting All-American, and they're gonna get All-Conference. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not first team. It's a lot of good defensive linemen in this league. Maybe second team again, and that's just not. That's not terrible. He, he's more likely to make a coach's all-conference team than the media all-conference team because the coach has had to game plan against him and know that he's he gets in the way of a lot of stuff. And just because he doesn't make the tackle, well, that means that a play doesn't gain nine yards going around the corner. It means it went for a, a no gain or a one-yard gain up the middle because he made sure he weren't getting outside. Or, you know, he got four pressures and no sacks, but he threw four incompletions. That's important, too. Sacks are just a number. Um they're nice if you can get them, but like you said, his disruptiveness has been there good. I didn't realize, as you just said, that he was better in every category. I thought he was better in some of the things that maybe weren't as perceptible, but to be better across the board, I mean, theoretically, that's all you can ask somebody. So I'd be surprised if he comes back. Yeah, I would too. I mean, he's three years removed. His brother's going. Um, he is, again, as you noted, uh, the coaches, which would also translate to NFL scouts, are going to be higher on this season than maybe the casual fan. And I know there's a lot of people out there that just hate rankings and recruiting and 
going off of stuff from high school. But go back and look at the NFL draft. Look at the draft over the years, and you'll see guys that are four- and five-star recruits, and even if they don't have an amazing college career, they are still getting drafted ahead of that two-star recruit that had a great college career. Because scouts, just like college coaches, love potential. And Dante still says a lot of potential. So I think I think not only would he get drafted, I think he'd get drafted higher than Darius right now. Yeah, I'd agree. Because D- Darius can only play nose, and I'm not sure he's big enough to play. And he might be able to play tackle, I guess, too, in the, in the NFL, but he's going to be small. Dante's got inside-outside potential, too. Also, how does a kid from Fairmont go from Fairmont to camps, camps to you know regional attention, regional attention to high-rating, high number of stars? evaluations and and combine settings and agility testing well guess what that dude's going to indianapolis if he decides to go pro and they're going to put a stopwatch and a tape measure on him they're going to say wait a minute that guy we really liked uh, on tape was a freak in high school and still tests out really well now there's something here to like um that's how a kid that has maybe not like eye-popping stats perceptibly in college sacks tfl so on and so forth is gonna get recognition they're going to see something that's like wait a minute this guy's got an agility score of, you know x here a, a spark score here really like him in our blank technique our blank front yeah let's get to know more let's research let's talk to his coaches you're going to do that you're going to find out everything is good about him i mean coaches teammates rave about him um he's going to help himself a lot once he puts his name in there i think moving on to the next question this one from dub v got m and there were a couple other questions in here that kind of touched on it um what the heck is it going to take to see some Garrett Green? Not putting the loss on Jarrett Dagey, but down a million late in the fourth is the perfect time to see what you have in Green. Instead, we got more Dagey. I don't know. Would have loved to ask after the game. <laughs> had to have my hand up. That was coming out of my mouth next, and like we'll talk about it on Tuesday, I'm sure. So it's a really good question. The only thing I think of is that you, huh, if you go there, Sometimes you got to stay there. And if you don't go there, you know, at least you, you kind of like leave it on the table that it's still there. You can still have that possibility. Um, also, if you go there, sometimes you can't go back. And that may be something that Brown knows the answer better to. I, I think it's silly to think that Green could have won that game. That's, that's not, I don't think anybody should or probably does think that. Maybe he could have gotten you know, a spark and, you know, things settle a little bit. But to think that he's going to come in in the second half down 21 nothing and win that game, am I wrong? That's that's absurd, right? Yeah. That's not a good entry point for Gary Green. Now, could he have played out the string? I think so. I don't think that would have been bad. I, I, to be frankly, I would have rather seen Austin Kendall in there for the fourth quarter than, than Daigie. It doesn't do you any good. And just just the body language and the, and the, the, the laissez-faire that I saw in that second half, as it went on, I'm not sure that everybody was inspired by Jared Dagey. That, that guy didn't do anything to help you make plays to win the game. And I wonder if that was counterproductive to a point too. But the other part of that is if you put green in and it's a spark and I don't know, it's 42 to 20 at the end instead of 42 to six, man, this week sucks then. Cause you got to figure out what do I do? You got teammates who maybe want to see the freshman come in and play against Oklahoma at home. <laughs> Where probably your best decision is to start Dagey again. But if you've opened that window, you know, thoughts and ideas and words crawl in, crawl out, and that stuff exists, and you got to deal with it in a locker room, in a team facility, and, and that could have been tricky. Sometimes it's just easier to close that window and never open it. 
it doesn't make a lot of sense. I know that it's frustrating, but again, after game nine out of 10, are you really going to change your season a whole lot with green? Probably not. My, I agree with everything you just said there, but there's, there's one other angle on this. How long have you and I weeks, been hearing weeks and texting that, that the green package was there? like, yeah, like, I mean, if not two months, pretty darn close. So it's not like it was some secret. Um, it's there. There's there's a package. There is an offense. Uh, I'm uh, as I've mentioned before. My understanding is it's like five plays, six plays. That's it for Green, and it's there for West Virginia to run in a situation where the offense can't move. <laughs> and, right. and you know run. what wasn't happening on Saturday? The offense wasn't moving. So I think. I would have liked to have seen a series. I, I get it. You, God, you're right about that. The the thing you can't, you don't want to let that out of the bag, and then that starts a whole other, um, you know, a whole other thing that you don't want going, you know, argument and things hanging over the team and a discussion going into the off season with with one week left. Because three days ago, four days ago, depending on when you listen to this, that was never in question. Jared Diggy was the starter. Like he had been on a roll for the last month and a half. And then he struggles in one game against Iowa State. And when everyone struggled against Iowa State, and it's, hey, why haven't we seen green? Um, but the package was there. Why why make the package? Why practice the package? Why bring green everywhere and do all this stuff if you're not going to use it? And I think I think you should have used it. I think you should have gone with it for at least a drive. Well, he got into 35 nothing, right? Yeah. They have two red zone possessions after that. He didn't play once. Like, why wouldn't you put it in the red zone? It works. Unless yeah. it's coming back if you're going to see it against Oklahoma. Or, but again, why even run him for one play, like a second down play? It, just, right. it, it, was, it was strange to me. I don't get it. Uh, let me... I have many questions. I want to ask about the defensive line and whether or not people should be worried about next year without either Sills, but maybe that's a conversation for another day. But I don't see any way that this isn't a quarterback competition in the offseason. Brown's praise for Purdy and the mobile pocket and being able to extend plays and create plays, you know, after the first play. Like, play A is what's on script. Play B is where you oftentimes win games, and that's getting outside. That's, you know, running on second and 10 to get a first down or third and eight to get a first down or breaking the pocket and hitting a tight end who's broken containment is outside. Play B wins you a lot of games. Jared Diggs is not great at play A. He could win with play A. Play B doesn't really exist. And that's a huge void I think that Brown is noticing here. And the fact that he he pointed out in response to a question about what makes Iowa State so good, he was very clear. Um, they don't have that right now. And Iowa State does with a really good quarterback who's a junior and has played a lot. Diggs played a lot. Not as much as Purdy at West Virginia, but he's played a lot of football in his career. And you just don't see plan B there. Can you coach plan B into a guy? Or is the athleticism, I would say awareness you can coach, but you can't coach that athleticism to make plan B happen, plan or play B happen. Green probably thrives in play B because he may be good in plan A, but he has the skill set to get to play B. I I just think that that's going to be something to really think about and work around in the offseason and I think this is going to be a conversation in the spring. I think it is too. You you always tell people to pay attention to not to the answers to the questions that the coaches are asked, mm-hmm. but rather what they they bring up on their own. 
things they say on their own, uh, the answers they willingly give. Pay attention to what West Virginia is doing in recruiting at the position, not what they currently have. Yep. Will Crowder or, or Garrett Green, 2020. Will Crowder, 2021. Every single offer they've extended in 2022. The common thread among all these guys is that they are far more mobile quarterbacks than Jarrett Dagey is right now. That is a, a direction that Neil Brown and this offense is moving towards. They need that. They want that. They want to center the, the, the offense around a quarterback like that. And you're right. I think there is going to be a competition this offseason. And because if Green is ready, why delay that movement one more year? If Green is ready, make that move. But – I, you know, again, this this is what you have when you when you're going to have a senior against a, a redshirt freshman. Basically, it, it, it's a little harder to make that move. But if that's the way you're going, if that's the way, believe in what you believe in, because he he obviously believes that this offense needs to dual threat quarterback. And if you believe in that, and and Green is the answer, I don't think you should delay it just because one guy's a senior. And Daggy just kind of is who he is, right? Like he's yeah. not going to become a guy who rolls out a whole bunch, which was funny because they did some of that stuff and it looked pretty good, but it was it was intentional. Like they ran that stuff where they booted it out and then they had a lock underneath and and uh, Sean Ryan over top and he has a decision to make. It. He kept throwing a Ryan. It was good, but they had to generate that stuff. They couldn't let that happen organically outside the pocket. Granted, that's that's the start of the play. That's play A stuff, but he doesn't get to that on play B very often. And when he does, he's throwing the ball five yards past the sticks, which is illegal. And hurts you because then you take a penalty and you miss a field goal. So where awareness and, and agility are two different things. If you can coach one, you probably can't coach the other. One comes with some experience. You would think that getting outside has to do stuff like you don't have to be a four or five guy in shoulder pads to, to do this stuff. But man, you got to be able to shut it down. You got to be able to shut plan down, plan A down, and get to plan B pretty quickly. And I just don't. I'm not sure that's there too. Uh, of, of quarterback, of quarterback recruiting, you're, you're going to have a massive influx of quarterback transfers in the portal. Do you look? Do you take? And somebody sent me that message about McKenzie Milton, UCF quarterback, great dual threat quarterback that, that entered the portal. And man, they're not doing that because you can't, because if you take, if you take Milton, you have to start him and you're inviting a Cinderella story in your backyard. And that's, this is not the place for that. Right. Now he's he's a talent, and if he ends up in Nebraska with Scott Frost, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, if he ends up at someplace, I'm not sure where he's from, but hometown, that makes a lot of sense to him. But like he's going to go to a place where you have to start him, and you have to do it. And if you don't, you have to deal with the question all year: Why take him? If you're not going to play him. Hey, this guy, this guy had a career-ending injury two years ago, and he's back. He's in your team. Why aren't you playing him? I don't think this is a good place for that. Yeah, I I wouldn't for the, the you you go the senior route. That's a trouble. Um, I, 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 ah, it's tough. It, it sucks. It, it, it just sucks to be in that position. But again, you look at this team and what's coming back next year. It could be special. And if you have a special chance at a special quarterback, and again, I'm not trying to knock Daggy. Daggy is solid. He's good ish. I don't know if he's special. And if you have a chance to get a special quarterback, to go with everything else that's coming back for this team or supposed to come back for this team. I mean, I don't know if you can pass up on it. We've seen other teams. It's uncomfortable. It's not something anybody enjoys doing of pushing quarterbacks out or pushing them around or, you know, recruiting over them or whatever. But 
the teams that are doing that, that have quite frankly, no regard for the feelings of their quarterbacks that are currently on the roster and just trying to get the best possible quarterback every single season. That's Oklahoma for the last few years. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they had Austin Kendall. They had a four-star guy that was ready to go. And they said, yeah, you know what? But Jalen Hurts is there. Let's go get him. Mm-hmm. And that, or, you know, that, that's, the, that's the kind of admittedly suck to make as a college, as a college coach because quarterback is so important. And if you can get a special talent, you've got to do it. 13 touchdowns in nine games isn't doing it. No. No, it isn't. Now, now that's up to him to improve that, and if he can do it, do it. But I mean, he didn't do anything to to give you a chance in that game. And your quarterback, unfortunately, is the guy who's got to do that. You're not getting cornerbacks or running backs who are doing that. If you have an elite quarterback or you have a mediocre quarterback, your play is probably going to reflect that. Going to be an interesting sprint. Uh, on a related note, quite a lot, a lot of question marks about these receivers. Um, kind of a three-parter. I might, if you don't mind, I'm going to interject and answer the first part right off the bat. Um, this was part of the question from Summit WVU. Uh, well, here, here, let me give you all the all the questions, and I'll hop in on the first part. This is the worst wide receiver crew we've ever had, even compared to last year with the loss <laughs> of Campbell. Um, question mark: How many transfer wide receivers will we grab now? Question mark: And how much of this blame falls on Parker for the lack of progression of the wide receivers? That third one's from Jewel Ear. I'm going to take the middle one there, the transfer wide receivers, just because. This came up in a conversation I had with a source the other day when uh, Yusef Terry, uh, former teammate of Tyke Smith, Baylor wide receiver, guy that had Baylor West Virginia basically as his final two and ended up choosing Baylor out of high school. He entered the transfer portal the other day, heard some positive news about him wanting to team back up with his old high school mates. And I was told that as of now, that's not specific to Terry, but as of now, West Virginia is not in the market for a transfer wide receiver. I stress the as of now because of, you know, basically a free for all in the transfer market, I would think this offseason, and we never know where that's going to go. So as of now, West Virginia not in the market for a transfer receiver. Mike, which one of the remaining two parts of that wide receiver question would you like to? I don't know how I don't know how long the person who said it's the worst group has been following or has been alive, but I think that's probably too strong. Um, it's not it's not good, and and frankly, the coaching staff missed on this. They they thought this was the best part of their offense, that it was the most improved part of their team from last year to this year. Um, I don't know how you could defend that. Now it's just it's not true. They're they're not that good. No, I'm not saying they're not that good. But I'm saying they're not that good in relation to that preseason hope slash hype. I think some of it has to do with you're seeing guys who are on the field that weren't on the field early who are productive. Sean Ryan, for example, we've seen uh, Isaiah Esdale flashes. And then we also saw a guy who's been around for a long time who just didn't have it. TJ Simmons drop passes that were critical. Um, so that's, that's curious to me. Then you have, you know, what's happened to Sam James, um, Sam James, not available, but what's happened to him. That's a guy who was, Pointed to the NFL by the coaches, like this guy's going to be playing on Sundays if he does his part, hasn't done his part. Um, Bryce Ford Wheaton has emerged as maybe the top outside receiver, but I mean, pretty average numbers for the length of the season. And, you know, Winston Wright, I thought I thought at a time that Winston Wright was becoming the player, they were going to build their offense around a little bit. Not like they were going to get him 15, 20 touches a game. No, but 
similar to like a Trayvon Wesco, where you just involve him in everything you do because he's the guy that that you can spin everything around and make defenses dizzy. And that's not really happening lately, too. And so this isn't a great group. It's not. You're talking, Chris, about how things could be special next season. I'm assuming you think that these receivers are going to make a leap. And perhaps that's it. But perhaps not. <laughs> that's my yeah, thing. Is like, that's like, that's a big assumption, huh? Yeah, because that was supposed to happen this year. And, and if you just look down the board, you know, freshman to sophomore year, guys should be better. Right? Yeah. Ford Wheaton? Yeah. James? No. And then go to your freshman class. You know, who's, you know, throw Ali Jennings in there, too. Now, granted, there's a lot of guys there. So maybe maybe there's too many. Maybe some people see it and it clears out a little bit. Sam Brown was supposed to be a great game player who didn't practice very well, according to Neil Brown, but they threw him in the game and he did well. He's done nothing since. You know, I haven't seen stretches of Reese Smith, but when he's been in there, he's been good. So it, it's just a mixed bag. It's not very consistent as far as who plays and how well they play. And I don't know how you sort that out. Like, that's going to be something they have to do. Incoming talent is going to have to be considered too, but really – what makes you think they're going to play freshman at receiver? Like, we just haven't seen that. So I think you have to look at what happened with the coaching this year for sure. You just have to and say, all right, maybe they, maybe they did a good job. Maybe they didn't do a good job. But this on the field, this on paper cannot be there in 2021. It's got to come up a level, too. And that's on players and coaches as well. What do you do? I don't know. We'll see. I think this is probably the one position that you can say, man, pandemic really hurt. Because not having yeah. spring and not having those practices, it's hard. That's the, This is the one that I think it can really stand out, more so than other ones, because I think you can make up for things. But timing is so important. Rapport is so important with your quarterback and receivers. And you know they've and they just had inconsistent performances where they've, they've taken guys off the field and taken them out of the rotation and put guys in. But the guys who've gone in haven't been terrific either. The one exception of a guy who stepped forward is probably Sean Ryan. And where was he a month ago? Outside looking in. So... It's been a very hard situation to manage, and they're just going to have to figure out a way to do it better than they have. Yeah, I think that you you kind of touched on where I was going with the question about how much of this is on Parker. Um, I'm not sure there's much to go on Parker for the reason you just mentioned, that the pandemic. I mean, when when do you progress? You don't progress receivers in the middle of the season. Mm-mm. Like th- That's not when they develop. That's not when they, they make that leap. They make that leap in spring ball, canceled after, what, what was it, two, three practices mm-hmm. and no no pads. Um, they, they developed during the summer when the coaches, you know, just a couple years ago, NCAA opened up summer workouts so that coaches could spend more time with players gone. That's gone. Uh, you know, fall camp is limited. They're having to pull double duty doing two different practices basically. So I think you can't put really any of the blame on Parker at this point for not developing those receivers because they took such a hit from that. Uh, and back on the, the receiver thing as a whole, I touched on this in the past, and you've you've alluded to it right there. The there's what ten ten guys that are kind of in the mix here, eight guys that are in the mix, but how many of them are legit alpha receivers? I think you, you know it's nice to have a bunch of pretty good receivers. But it'd be even better if you had an alpha receiver that you knew you could throw to at any time that that you could rely on on third down. That when you have those 50-50 balls, it's really more 80-20 because your guy is, is that guy. And I, nobody's there, at least not yet, on this roster. I think you have a bunch of number two receivers, but no real true number one yet. 
No, correct. And uh, here's where you're going to call me a hypocrite if you've been paying attention here, but I thought it was a good thing as a shift of gears in the middle of the season to say, let's stop throwing eight to nine passes at one guy and let's spread it around a little bit. I still think that's a good idea. But that's because I don't think they have that person who needs or deserves eight or nine targets slash catches a game to do something with. Even Wright. Like, I think Wright's a good player. And if he got nine catches a game, that's probably a good thing. But just the the moving him around and making defenses react is what makes him especially good because he helps everybody around him. But I wouldn't I wouldn't target him and make it a point of, like, we got to throw ten passes at him. I wouldn't do that for Wheaton. I wouldn't do that for Simmons. I wouldn't do that for James. I wouldn't have for Ryan. So on and so forth. Which is maybe a bit of a problem, too. Like, who are you going to when – Who's your who's your number one when it's third and seven? And ideally, his feet are behind the yellow line. Don't know. That's a good question that they probably have to answer. I like that. Ideally, behind the yellow line, or at least I mean, at least within four or five yards, uh, like almost to a first down. It would help. Um, last we got a couple more questions on basketball, but last question on football side of things. Um, this one's from at May 25. How do you guys do your job after a loss like yesterday? It's draining as a fan to watch that and then hop on the boards and see the carnage. How is it not draining for you and Mike to watch that, write about it, talk about it, and then respond to the posters on the boards as well? Well, this is, this, I mean, this, this is bad. I, I don't really care like who wins or loses, to be honest. But like the the that was kind of demoralizing so that was a bummer because i didn't see that coming like that was a surprise me like six six points didn't necessarily surprise me because that's that's in west west virginia's rolodex they could have a bad offensive game against a good defense 42 surprised me and then then you get then you got to wonder like oh man it's just a bad team going south it's just uh you know it's just players who are kind of cashing out early that know they don't have anything left in their season is this three weeks off and that's that stuff that frankly you don't like to cover because sports should be fun and college sports should be fun and that wasn't fun. This this team has been fun though. Like I don't think there's any doubt about that. Like even down, even in their downs, those weren't blowout losses before. They were competitive, and you could explain or at least explore everything. You can ask questions. To be honest, the, the thing that frustrates me the most is that it's just so hard to get information from this team. It just is. Like this this thing with Zoom is tough, and um, you don't have any relationships with assistant coaches, and you're not allowed. You're not around players are allowed to be around players so that that's not good you can't have any one-on-one time or off the record time or to the side time where i would like to be able to ask questions and get some answers to things that's just frustrating in general but that makes like a game like saturday a little bit more difficult because i don't have much to draw on to say well this might explain that i'd heard this about this player or this side of the ball or this matchup and maybe that makes more sense um there's a lot of stuff you saw saturday and you're like boy that doesn't look good and there might be an explanation there and there might not be an explanation there example Jared Bartlett and Dylan Tonkery didn't play defense. <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> and we didn't get any defensive coaches after the game. And we, we got like five questions, but Brown didn't have a chance. And that was something I intended to ask about. Like, wait a minute, where'd your bandits go? Because Cowan did play. Now, what we do think is that we, what we may be thinking is that what we learned during the week is, yeah, they had a couple people who were knocked out for this game because of testing and contact tracing, but they had players who were going to miss the Oklahoma game. Never told us. And perhaps they were in that group and they got cleared to play against Iowa State, but not against Oklahoma. Maybe they didn't practice and they didn't do that. But but your defense is a lot different when you're not playing with a bandit. And you're playing an even front that you haven't played a whole lot. Sure, the even front's supposed to help you against the rushing game. Did it? No. And how often have you played even front this year? 
minimally at best. So that was something new you threw out there, which probably compromised their defense, maybe more than we expected or explained. And I never had a chance to get into that too. So um, what frustrates me after a game like that is not that the team lost, or the score was lopsided, but I just don't have answers for a lot of stuff. And maybe that was just the general nature of the game. It was so surprising. And there's just a lot that's hard to explain. I don't have answers for what happened day to get even the questions out to get them answered. So who lost, how they lost, Eh, probably doesn't get me a whole lot. I wish you all were happier, right? That makes it more <laughs> fun online. Um, but more importantly, I'm sure you all want to know stuff, and I can't give you all the answers to that. Nah, I'm with, I'm with you on the, the actual coverage of the thing, uh, angle of it. Uh, it. It sucks. You know, maybe maybe we know some more answers. Maybe we, we would have known about Bartlett and Tonkery had we been able to do regular media stuff instead of having to do it the way we're doing it now. But everybody's everybody's facing the same issue so that's it's it is what it is it's even playing field on that front but um with the message board stuff uh, from that angle man it sucks just because everybody everybody gets so angry on the message board they get mad at each other they got a short temper <laughs> guys that are just you know people that just regular posters but posters that we've we've had for years just all of a sudden go off the deep end um i mean in it's funny people talk about ask ask me about the business sometime the business side of things sometimes and man the the loss happens and all of a sudden you got people being like oh screw this team i hate this team and cancel my membership I'm like whoa hey what why what why are you canceling cuz the you know the team had one bad game and it's just and then the next morning up oh, never mind sorry can i have it back now I'm like okay chill out everybody take a breather um but you also don't. You also need a place to kind of let those thoughts out. So it's a, it's an interesting kind of juggling. Hey, uh, you know, let's let everybody kind of get it out on the message board their thoughts, but trying not to let it go too crazy because you have people that just say some outrageous stuff on there. But uh, you know, people people deal with things in different ways, and I also want them to get it out there because it's also led to some very constructed. Uh, discussions after games as well so i think the message board is a good spot to go afterwards if you can find if you can sift through some of the other stuff that gets posted on there directly after the game uh, it's a good conversation a lot of it and a lot of it helps you out it's therapeutic i guess sometimes too but you'll find out that you are thinking what other people are thinking which probably makes you feel a little bit more reassured if not for the cause of your concern but also sometimes you'll see that you're at the extreme and there's five or six people who are more grounded and all of a sudden that might bring you back down to earth and that can help too Let's switch to basketball. Mm. Um, this one from 8389 grad, and I'm not going to lie. Uh, speaking of finding people who think like yourself, I'm asking this question. I picked this question to ask on here because I thought the same daggone thing yesterday during the game. Uh, so I'm just going to let you answer this one. Can the basketball team run more? I mean, push the tempo and get into transition game more than we have in recent years. It seemed like we were going up and down the floor pretty well during that nice run in the second half. And it's just not something we've done much in recent years. Three guards, Matthews and Culver. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they run very well with Sheway and Culver, Osaboyan and Culver, or Cottrell and Culver, or whomever there. Just the two bigs don't move as fast. Um, so that's a bad thing for that that two big lineup. But if you got more guys who are quick, you're going to run more quick stuff. So I think they can. It's got to be that lineup. Um, surprised me on Sheway though, because that was this thing running down the floor and beating people up and down the. The, the, the length of the court last year and haven't seen that too often this year. And I feel like he's a step behind or a step slow on a lot of stuff. And you see him, you see the back of his numbers 
see the back of his jersey and his arms in the air a lot, which is discouraging because his motor is better than that. Thought it was good at times against Gonzaga and good at times against Georgetown, but um, they probably want him to be further ahead than he is right now. But I did notice the running. I noticed who was on the floor there, too. The ball just moves better when there's three guards. And if Matthews is going to give you what he did give you during that stretch, that, that becomes a much more inviting way to play. Yeah, it, it it makes me wonder about that too big lineup. I'm not going to push Huggins off it like some other people are are always trying to get him off it. But man, it looked nice. That that run was nice. If you can't get that offense going in the half court, you know this is a way to, to ease it up, kind of loosen things up out there. And I I don't think it's a bad thing to kind of go with again Shebway and Culver. Shebway as your center, or Culver as your center. Always have one of them on the court, but. Maybe only have them overlapping for the double big man look like five or ten minutes a game, ten minutes a game. You, you can do that and still get them both, you know, 25 minutes a, a game, which is what they're averaging. So, he, I don't know. I, I like it more, but obviously there's pluses and minuses with both of them. You get, you get a bigger size advantage, rebounding advantage when you have both of them out there. But then your offense is stagnant. It, pick what works best, but... Me personally, if I were coach and I don't have 900 wins almost in uh, college basketball, I got a handful at the six and seven year old YMCA league. Mm. But uh, I, I really like the idea of Culver and Shibway just being centers with Gabe or even Cottrell. I, I'm in on the Cottrell train. I'm on the bandwagon, Mike. I'm ready. Mm. Uh, count me in as as your four or Matthews as your four. I say go for it. I, okay. I I really love that lineup. It's it's a it's a change of gears and they can do it too. Man, they need number thirteen to become much more aggressive though. Yeah. He was good. He was good yesterday. And if he if he as you say, if he goes back to Spain, he's a different player, man. If Matthews is dunking from the perimeter and, and making threes coming off screen, he's just a different player, but he has to want that. They set stuff up for him and sometimes he defers, but they gave him the ball and he took it to the basket. He took shots and they were really important yesterday. You know who else he dunked on? No. Did you see? Did you see your favorite your favorite reporter? So me in here. Oh, oh God! I know who you're talking about what? Yeah, the, you know who I'm talking about. Decided to question Emmett Matthews' uh, shooting ability on on the Twitter, <laughs> and uh, not only did Emmett Matthews respond, but then the official men's basketball account Twitter account liked the tweet. Uh, I don't know if they retweeted it, but they liked it. They favorited it. Um, got a couple thousand, a couple thousand likes and responses, and then, then some backtracking from your favorite. I see it now. Yes, some backtracking from the most hard-nosed, uh, non-sycophant uh, out there. Hell yeah! <laughs> I guess if you're always wrong, makes it easier. You have a chance to be right once, right? Like, if you're just always spouting, maybe you'll get one. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you'll throw in a three-pointer every now and then. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I love that. All right. Let's go. One more one more basketball one real quick. Because um, I think, it, for me, and I don't want to influence your answer, but for me, the answer isn't one or the other, but maybe some other combinations. Uh, this is from Rapper 1087 any reason Taz isn't getting more minutes averaging around 23 a game and McNeil is getting 30 plus. Um, 
Again, the insinuation is Taz over McNeil. Does that have to be the case? Or do you think they can play together? Well, they can and they have been. And they're they're kind of complementary a little bit too because the one's on either side. And McNeil can do some stuff that Sherman can't. And I think Sherman can do some things that definitely McNeil can't. So that's that's nice. And you can't guard them the same. That works. Um, by the way, McNeil is playing 30-plus minutes. He was playing 35-plus minutes. That's come <laughs> back to earth. So... And again, yesterday I thought like he was good because he didn't miss a lot of shots because he didn't take a lot of shots, which is I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but you know, hey, maybe you don't miss so many shots. Well, if you're a guy who misses shots and you take shots, maybe you don't take as many. And I thought he was probably the right dosage of, of Sean McNeil yesterday, so that was good. And he wasn't bad. And he, I mean, his thing too is he he's got to lead the team over the past year and a half and in, in rattlers, like yeah, shots that are in and down and come back out. And that's just got to be frustrating, but. He takes a lot of contested shots, but they're somehow open. It's a weird thing. Like, I even asked us during the game, like, is he taking contested threes? And they're, like, 25 feet away, but he's also creating space, and he's pretty good at that. Uh, I, I just like everything I'm seeing from Sherman. And he, he's he got, like, a lot of confidence and a lot of calmness to him, too. He's aggressive, but he's not out of control. He's not hunting. And I do wonder if he could be a guy who could play with the ball in his hands more. Um Good news, maybe you don't have to worry about that so much because we had a good Jordan McCabe run during that game too. So um, I, I would think that if if McCabe could play, you can get even more McNeil and Sherman together. Um, I just think they like Sherman as offense off the bench. Let's 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 be honest. Um, Shibway and Culver and McBride are going to get you points, or are supposed to get you points. And Matthews might be able to throw a couple in, and then maybe McNeil hits a shot or two. But when you go to that bench, if you're starting McNeil on the bench, and he's not a shooter scorer as Effectively, as you want to be right now. Um, Osaboyan's not really an offensive player. Kachuri can't deny You can't rely on for offense right now. And McCabe, you can't rely on for offense right now. Where are you getting points? So I would keep Sherman on the bench. He seems like he likes it, and he's wired that way. He's playing starter minutes. And again, 22, 25 minutes of West Virginia, that's been like starter minutes the past couple of years. It's not too different this year. They, don't, they probably don't need to be playing 12 people. But um, I wouldn't change it, and I would try to play them together more. I have... A couple years ago, I started talking about my, my closing five more is more important than my starting five. I'm I'm beginning to wonder, you know, especially if say West Virginia is behind uh, in a close game, and maybe even if they're ahead or, or tied or whatever of a McBride, McNeil, a Sherman, and then Gabe and Culver, or or some or Matthews and Culver. I think I like Gabe more just because of defense and and rebounding over Matthews there, but. Having McNeil and Sherman on the court at the same time, really, especially with McBride, you instantly have three guys who can kind of create their own shot that yeah. can that can get offense, and that's not something that West Virginia has had a lot in recent years. So I'm I'm really liking the McNeil Sherman combo together, but I do agree about uh, you know bringing Sherman off the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just talking about down the stretch. I'd, I'd like. Long stretches there with McNeil and Sherman on the court at the same time. I'm with you. Um, all right, I think that's going to wrap us up for the the, the uh, audio version of this mailbag because you know there were a ton more questions and I'm going to cover them all in written form. Post them later this afternoon. If you're listening to this on Monday, it'll be up sometime Monday afternoon, Monday evening. And um, if you are listening to this on Monday, I'd also suggest you go read the uh, VIP buzz I posted this morning. 
uh, some schools trying to flip a West Virginia commit. And also check out the message board because I posted a little nugget on there. I'm a three-star recruit that used to be committed to a Big Ten school that may be committed to West Virginia in a few days. Um, mm. Keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it. Mike, what do you got coming up? Got Neil Brown, Big 12 phone call, basketball, post game. Try to solve some uh, some puzzle pieces here from both teams as we try to figure out what happened and what happens next. Kind of a big week for both of them. Robert Morris, Wednesday for basketball. Maybe Richmond Saturday. And then, I mean, enormous, enormous game Saturday for football against Oklahoma. I mean, a whole lot, a whole lot rides on the outcome and yet nothing rides in the outcome because they're in a bowl <laughs> they're in a bowl game and they're not going to win the championship they're not going to contend for the championship but like man they lose that game in a strange offseason yeah and we we kind of alluded to it after the iowa state game that if if this goes sideways all of a sudden all that goodwill built up after a, a solid and competitive start gets flushed down the drain with you know say two losses by a combined 60 points, 70 points and going into the off season or going into the bowl game, at least uh, with some grumbling and, and probably again, zero inside your for on this, just, just going based off of what we've seen across college football, all across college football for the last couple of years, including at West Virginia, um, all likelihood, you know, a couple of seniors and, and NFL type guys opting out of the bowl game and you're going in, Man, that, that that's a bad way to go into a, a long, cold winter right there. Oh, God. Can you imagine how many people are going to mail in that bowl game? <laughs> I mean, hey, some of the some of the uh, the bowl games are even making business decisions right now, Mike, literally and figuratively uh, canceling kind of not left and right. I don't want to say left and right, but a good number of them canceling right now. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do that. And I don't know how many Big 12 games are going to still be standing, but man. I think you're going to see teams that defer and don't want to play in games too. I'm not sure it'll be like power five or top flight teams, but like certainly opponents in some of these bowl games, like opponent level, uh, are they going to be there? We'll see. Like they're not going to have a problem filling them, but they might have a problem selling those games too. It's going to be, be tough, tough postseason. Well, Mike, let's wrap it up. Cause I got to get off here and read this uh, text from Iowa state game day. All I see is a picture of Santa carrying a keg of beer. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't know where you're taking me with that, but I'm ready to go there. Christmas ale, Chris. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Until next time, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.